Okay. Today, today is a special day. Is it your birthday? Close. Birth and death. birthday? You have birthday right. Huh? It's not my child's birthday. Is it the second anniversary? It is the, right, it is the anniversary of the second Chabad Rebbe's birth and death. He was born and died on the same day. Fortunately, several years apart from each other. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been very hard to be Rebbe. Um, there, aren't, there aren't very many, like, he, well, he lived for six hours and he was a very influential Rebbe. Um, so, although we're, although we're learning Tanya, which is written by his father, he's, by the way, his picture is on the top right. The one without the picture. The one without the picture. Yeah. Um, so although we're we're learning Tanya, I figured that um, it would be appropriate to teach you something short and brief in his honor. So we will do that, and then we'll resume Tanya. Okay. So one of the key sayings, I'm sure this is actually quite familiar, that he would say is that when two Jews get together, you have two godly souls against one animal soul. The idea being that the godly souls of of the Jew will team up against the animal soul. And the question is, of course, why don't the animal souls team up against the godly soul? And the explanation to that is that in essence, this captures what the difference is between to be godly and to be animalistic. To be godly means that you fundamentally don't see yourself as the center. And so what's important to me isn't because it's uniquely important to me. It's just, it's important. I sense it's important. You sense it's important. We're all in this together. Whereas the, an animal soul, an animal, sees themselves as they're the center. And if something is important, it ultimately comes back down to it's important to me. Um, and this is really, an, in a nutshell, the constant battle. There's a part of ourselves which recognizes that what makes something beautiful, what makes something important, what makes something um, significant isn't how it affects me, but is intrinsic within itself. And if I can sense that, the part of me that senses that, the godly part, and the part of you that senses that are obviously going to be on the same side. But the part of me that senses something is beautiful or meaningful or significant because of how it affects me can never really be on the same side of something as, some, as, as that part of you. Even if we both agree that something's more, we both like the same thing, but in some sense, I'm using you and you're using me. Um, and this is something that he, he, he would say very often, and try to include in the chassidim, that we should always have this realization that to ask ourselves, are we really as we are getting along because we're making use of each other? Or are we getting along because we've, we've gotten in touch with a part of ourselves that doesn't see ourselves as the center? Um, and that's a, a lifelong um, calling and journey and struggle to deal with, but that's one of his sayings. So I decided to do something short because I didn't want to take the whole class. Okay. Tanya. Okay. I also have to tell you a story. It's not fair just to do a teaching. I should you know, do a story. So he, the Mittler Rebbe, he used to say chassidus at great length. So one time he w- was giving over chassidic discourse, he finished, he started a second one, and he was ready to start the third. Um, and 18 hours had gone by since he started. It's very long. And so his uncle um, 
the, the altar of his brother came to him and said, um, I don't think people can handle anymore. So he decided that 18 hours was enough. Um, but they tell this story not because that was like an extraordinary event that one time he said chassidus for 18 hours, but because that was a typical thing that he would just start talking, explaining chassidus, <laughs> and the chassidim would like be enthralled with his explanations, and it would go for hours and hours and hours, and one time it went up to 18 hours. 18 hours. Yep. Okay. Okay, so we learned yesterday that there's different parts of the soul, and each part of the soul has a different function, functionally of the way it connects to Hashem, right? We call them in English the organs of the soul. In Hebrew, they're called the evare hanefesh, the limbs, I guess, is more how I would probably translate it. And each one finds a, a particular garment that suits it in one of the 613 mitzvahs. And then we said specifically that we can kind of group the different parts into the Chabad, which I guess we could translate as the mind, and the Midas, the emotions, which are primarily love and fear. And the Chabad of the soul primarily clothes itself in the thought of the Torah, and the Midos primarily clothe themselves in the mitzvahs that are performed through speech and action. And then we discussed why that would be. What's the difference between the mind and the Midos? self and other, right? The midas is the part of you that is real and engages others, and your mind is the part of yourself that's real only to yourself, okay? Um, and so the garment of thought, again, is entirely internal, whereas the garments of speech and action take place in the world outside of ourselves. So it would make sense that the midas, which are external-oriented towards other, would clothe themselves in the speech and the action. Good? Okay. Fuck. So, I am going to not really spend any time talking about Torah and thought, and I'll tell you why very briefly, because in chapter 5 we have an entire chapter dedicated to the unique significance of understanding Torah and thinking Torah and speaking Torah and how all that works. So Torah study as a topic in and of itself, um, and how it relates to the soul, gets its own chapter, so I'm not going to spend any time on it here, and we're just going to talk about the love and the fear, the midos, the emotional parts of the soul, and the mitzvahs that involve speech and action. That's what we're going to focus on the rest of the chapter. So although everything you're saying to some extent applies generally, but we're going to focus on those two things in particular. Okay. Fine. So we're going to start reading from the second paragraph, where it's, um, the fifth line, which says, and the midos. And the Midas, namely fear and love, together with their offshoots and ramifications, are clothed in the fulfillment of the commandments in deed and word, namely the study of Torah, which is the equivalent of all the commandments. We're not going to worry about that right now. For love is the root of all 248 positive commandments, all originating in it and having no true foundation without it. Inasmuch as he who fulfills them in truth is he who truly loves the name of God and desires to cleave to him in truth. For one cannot truly cleave to him except the fulfillment of the 248 commandments, which are the 248 organs of the king, as explained elsewhere. And we're going to stop there. That's what we're going to try and get through some of that today. Okay. So. The first thing I want us to notice is that we're taking the love and the fear and we're dividing between them and we're differentiating between what are the positive commandments and the negative commandments. So love is going to correspond and go together with the positive commandments 
and fear, which I didn't read, is going to go together with the negative commandments. Yeah. Were you explain why? Of course. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay. So before we do that, um, I want to make sure we're clear on what me, what are positive commandments and what are negative commandments. Okay. What is a positive commandment? To do something. It's a commandment to do something. Usually, but not always. Okay. So, for instance, not driving a car on Shabbos is a positive commandment. Is what? Is a positive commandment. Is it because it comes from a positive commandment? Right. But I'm not doing something, right? If I don't drive the car on Shabbos, then I'm doing a positive commandment. Very good. I'm very impressed. Usually it takes people like five minutes, and even then it's like half the time people don't get it. it the starting point is how it's phrased in the Torah. If the Torah, the wording in the Chumash is, thou shalt not, then whatever stems from that is considered to be, and if it's thou shalt, Okay, now obviously you need to get the nuances of the Hebrew, but anything that is phrased in negative terminology in the Torah, regardless of whether it's a doing or not doing, is a negative mitzvah. Okay, I'll give you an example of that in a second. And, um, some, and, and if it's phrased in the positive, even if you're not doing anything, it's still considered positive. So an example is it says to um, rest on the seventh day, right? That's phrased in the positive. That means not doing the forbidden activities on Shabbos is a positive mitzvah. It also says, thou shalt not do malacha, work on the seventh day, which means, it's negative, which means when you don't drive your car on Shabbos, how many mitzvahs are you doing? Yeah. Two. You're doing a positive mitzvah and a negative mitzvah. Good? Okay. What would be an example of not doing something that's from a positive mitzvah only? Are you allowed to eat human flesh? I like your answer. I hope not. <laughs> but Torah has weird laws, so you never know. The answer is no. Okay, where in the Torah does it say, thou shall not eat human flesh? No, it doesn't. I didn't say not murder. It's just that there. No, human blood is... Thou shalt not eat thy brother. Thou shalt not eat thy brother is not one of the commandments. No, no, no. Like, no. Like, no. No. Obviously, you can't murder. Murder, we know you're not allowed to do. you're fellow Jew, you're not allowed to eat your so, like, A, A, I don't want to go there, and B, what if they're good? Yeah, but there's no mitzvah in the Torah of keeping kosher. Kosher is like a whole set of mitzvahs. Kosher just means acceptable. And so, which foods are acceptable to eat? Where does it say that? What if it's like, like, life or death kind of situation, like you're starving, like that's only... Then it's fine. Doesn't it talk about that? And what's fine, eat human yeah. Not to kill them, but 30 dead. Yeah. 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 The question is, is it a mitzvah? I'm not encouraging animals. This is what I want you guys to... Is it a mitzvah to eat a human if they're dead? No, they need to be No. Is it a mitzvah not to eat them? No. So, guys. Okay. So the mitzvah is like this. The mitzvah is like this. That's like this. Okay. There, there is a positive mitzvah. Notice what I said. There is a positive mitzvah to ensure that all of the creatures that walk amongst the earth, right? All these animals, including which, including in that category, are people. That all of those, you know, those, those, you know, things that walk around the earth like us, 
and monkeys and cows and drill and gorillas and chimpanzees and giraffes and cows and sheep and all those things. We have to make sure that if we're eating them, their bodies have split hooves and they chew their cut. That's where we get that. We don't have hooves. No, I mean like I mean like that's the reason. That's the reason. That's there's a reason we don't. And then the question is, is it a mitzvah? So there is a positive mitzvah to make sure that when you're eating flesh of an animal, that that flesh came from a animal that splits its has split hooves and chews its cud. People don't, and so therefore the prohibition of it's eating animals is fulfilling a positive or negative mitzvah. Positive. It's a positive mitzvah. Okay, there is no negative mitzvah not to eat human flesh. It's a result of a positive mitzvah. Okay. Um, so what's important to understand is that positive and negative mitzvahs start off just how it's phrased in the Torah. It, you can't look and say, oh, this is forbidden. That makes it a positive. That's not how it works. Okay. Now, the question is, okay, what makes, why does it matter how it's phrased in the Torah? Like, who cares? At the end of the day, this is a prohibition. This is a requirement. Like, it doesn't matter how, why do we care how it's phrased in the Torah? God does That's true. But does anyone know the reason why it makes a difference? Okay, so we, yeah, so let's let's start with with the basic stuff you mentioned yesterday. Your litvish background, so we're gonna do some stuff for your litvish background. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about let's say a person transgresses the mitzvah. Okay, you sounded very cheery about that. <laughs> like, okay, what is it? What? You know, there was they, they tell the story about the about the, the Jew he lived in the in the shtetl and he spent all his day learning and one day he decides like he's had enough and he's gonna go out and like do averas and so he like remembers that he learned once learned that the wax made out of the that they used to make candles was made from the forbidden fats that you're not allowed to eat certain parts of a cow you're not allowed to eat. So he's like, I'm gonna go sin and I'm gonna show God that this world is really good and he bites the candle. He's like, you know what? I think God knew what he was talking about. <laughs> because sometimes sin is very theoretical to people. They don't they don't actually know in real life what it's like. That's the, the value the Balsh the Rabbim says of a Balchuva is that they're not abstaining from stuff that they don't know what it is. They know what it is, and nonetheless they're abstaining. So Okay. Um lost my share of thought. Okay. The so, if a person, this is all biblical temple times, Talmudic times, okay? When there's a base of Migdash, all the Jewish courts are running. Let's say someone goes out in the street and declares that they are not going to fulfill a positive mitzvah. I don't care. Positive mitzvah, I'm not doing it. I'll use an example. Man says, I'm not putting on film today. What happens to him? In biblical, in biblical times or Talmudic times, like, what would they do? What? No, they would they, they encourage him to put on tefillin if he's still adamant that he's not doing it. You should put on tefillin, like you really, really should. Now you don't understand, like like we're gonna call the police if you don't put on the tefillin, and then they call the police, and what do the police do? Like you should really put on tefillin. It's like I'm not doing it, and then the police pull out their batons. Like no, no, really. We don't want to do this, but you really should put on tefillin. And then he doesn't put on tefillin. They start hitting him. Until? 
He puts on the tefillin. Or the sun goes down, because what happens when the sun goes down? It's no mitzvah to put on tefillin anymore. Okay? But do they ever punish him for not putting on tefillin? No. No. This is the rule. There is no punishment for failing to observe positive mitzvahs. To get him to do it. That's not punishment for not doing it. That's to make sure that he does it. It's a very big difference. It is a huge difference. There's a difference between coercion and punishment. A guy, yeah, murders somebody, right? See now, yeah, we're not trying to we're not trying to stop him from murdering. He already did it. Now the question is, are we gonna right? In other words, the court does not get involved if a person did not do a positive mitzvah. They failed to do a positive mitzvah. As far as the basin is concerned, our job is to make sure you do it. But if you didn't do it, or is our job to punish people for not doing it? No. That's what positive mitzvahs. On the other hand, when the Torah mentions all the different kinds of punishments, for this there's stoning, and for this there's lashing, and for this, this one, and this, that, all the different ones, those are only, only, only negative mitzvahs. Okay? But is it considered an avera? Not confident to yes. transgress a positive mitzvah. It's still an avera. It is an avera. So there's the sin of not fulfilling positive mitzvahs, and there's the sin of, of, of violating negative mitzvahs. But there's a very big difference, which is that if a person is already after the fact, they did this sin, they, the whole day went by, they didn't put on tefillin, right? Um, they refuse to make kiddush, and Shabbos is over. Like, the basic, like, okay. Like, no use crying over spilled milk. That's between you and God. We're out of it. Right? Our job is to make sure that people do it. If they haven't done it, okay? It's a, as opposed to the negative mitzvahs. To make sure people don't do them? That's also, but in addition to that, if someone has transgressed the negative it's mitzvahs, already, someone's already done. if someone's already done it, they get punished. Okay? Now, in real life, obviously, we have to have some sense and realize that, like, you know, some wisdom has to be used about just because you, just because a, a, an authority has the use of force doesn't mean you go around using it all the time. Yeah. Well, it depends on the context, but they were technically authorized to do so. I mean, we put people in jail for not like doing all sorts of things in the real world. Right, and they're, That's true. and they're doing like not loving their fellow Jew by beating them up. On the contrary. They love them so much. No, this is That's right. Awesome. Okay, like, oh, I love you, therefore I'm going to beat you up until you put Well, it depends what you think tefillin is, now doesn't it? And it depends what you think beating is. Remember that whole uncomfortable thing about Judaism actually being a religion? Rather than your, like, personal guide to, you know, New Age spirituality? Yeah. Okay. What? I wasn't here for that, but I probably should have mentioned Well, I mentioned it yesterday briefly. Oh, okay. I wasn't. Okay. So... Now, just logically, why would that be? Why would it be that there's no punishment if you don't do something, and there is punishment if you did something? If, like, okay, but even though, even even though behaviorally, one you might be doing, one you might not be doing. Okay. Because in a positive mitzvah, something is actually occurring. In other words, like this: by doing a positive mitzvah, you are making the world better place. Mm-hmm. I'm being very vague about what that means, but you're making the world a better place. So by not doing it, you're making, when you do something that you're not supposed to do, you're making the world a worse place? That's right. So let's think about it. Yeah, let's think about this, okay? If I violate one of the negative commandments, okay, 
The world is a worse place now than it was before. If you violate one of negative commandments. Do you a negative commandment? Yeah. So for instance, if I eat pork, which is a negative commandment, I've made the world a worse place in some sense. On the other hand, if I don't put on tefillin, is the world a worse place because I didn't put on tefillin? No. No. It's just not a better place. It's just not a better place. Okay. Okay. So there's 248 things that if you do them, then what happens? You make the world better. And there's 365 things that if you do them, you make the world worse. Now, sometimes doing means not doing anything at all, right? If you go through Shabbos at every moment you're not driving the car, what are you doing? You're making the world a better place by not driving the car. That's right. Yeah, but but I'll give you an example, like interpersonal relationships. Yeah. If someone's talking um, and trying to explain something that's um, very meaningful to them, and somebody is listening and not interrupting them, right? Now, not interrupting is not doing something. What? Then what happens? Is that better than if they just been talking to a wall? Yeah. It's much better, right? Yeah, I guess so. Right. That's why people pay money for therapists. I'm not kidding. No, really. That's, that's like on a very basic level. Someone talk, that you talk and someone's genuinely listening and not interrupting you has tremendous healing effects in and of itself. Yeah. So if you think of it in terms of Shabbos, keeping Shabbos makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Because you could say in the alternative, if you weren't keeping Shabbos, it makes the world a worse place. That Shabbos is both. So, yeah. Shabbos, so Shabbos is, if you're keeping Shabbos, you're making the world a better place. Okay, so and if you break Shabbos, Jew, well, loving your fellow Jew is not like that. Like all, all of these things, like, no. if you're not doing it, it makes the world, like, I No, 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 let's go through the list. We'll make sure, let's do some examples so we're clear. If I don't put on tefillin, does that make the world a worse place? The answer yeah. is no. Why? It keeps the world the way it was. It's just neutral. You're not making it better. Not making it better. I'm just not making it worse. I'm not ruining anything. But if you're refusing to put it on. That's so... We have to differentiate something. It's very important. There's a separate issue about my relation with God. And I think it's important that we, we break these at, these things. Have you ever go to school and you had graphs? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do a graph. This is called the, the sin and mitzvah graph, okay? The sin and mitzvah? Sin and mitzvah graph. Okay. Four away graph. Okay. This marker is not to my liking, it's too faint, but whatever. Okay. So over here, this axis, this represents the world, okay? So over here, the world is worse. And over here, the world is. Okay. This axis represents your relationship with Hashem. Okay? So over here, you are closer. And over here you are further. What is the why? Is the world worse or better? Yeah. Okay. So the world. And this is you and Hashem. Are you closer or further? And these are not the same thing. Let's give an example. Okay? A person. Okay? who eats non-kosher food because they grew up completely not religious, they don't even know they're Jewish, and they've been eating non-kosher food. Where does that go over here? It makes the world worse. Non-kosher food is not the worst thing you can do. 
What does it do to make you, does it make that person further from Hashem? Yeah. No. no. Oh, because they didn't know. Like, like, yeah. It doesn't have, it doesn't have, right, that doesn't, like, right. they knew. Oh, on the other hand, right, what would happen if the person um, ate the non-kosher food, right, because they didn't, they were religious and they're from and whatever, but they didn't check the heksher because they were, like, lazy and turns out not to be kosher. So where's that? That's down over here. What happens if they knew it was non-kosher and they were really, really hungry and they just felt like they couldn't hold back? Well, a little bit further. That's over here. What if they weren't hungry, they just really wanted it and didn't care that it wasn't kosher? Okay. This is if they're from. Well, I, this is all their mindset, right? Like the, 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 knowing that something kosher means you have a sense that you know kosher Torah means you have to know that stuff. Okay. What if they're eating it because it's not kosher and they want to show God that um, dance down here? Okay. What if they're eating it? What if they're eating it to get someone else to question their faith in God? That's like way down over here. Yeah, I say, look, see, non-kosher was not so bad. You can eat it too. Right, then they're way down over here, right? Now, notice that what we're talking about is how the person is closer or further from Hashem, mm-hmm. but the actual effect of a Jew eating non-kosher food in the world stays the same? Yeah. Okay. Right, you see what I'm saying? It's in the middle. Why is it more worse? What? Oh, because now that's, that's like kosher food. If you did something like, say, um eating forbidden fats, that goes over here. Shabbos violation, murder and idolatry goes over there. It's just a level. Yeah. Okay. Now, you get what I'm saying? So now let's do, let's do this. If I would not put on tefillin, me, Rabbi Kaufman, if I would not put on tefillin tomorrow, and not because I was incapable of putting on because I was sick or something, okay, where would that go? Um, Does it make the world worse? No. No. Where would it go? It doesn't make it better. So, so, it's, so it's neutral on that, but what does it do with my relationship with Hashem? Bottom. And it'll probably be somewhere down here, right? Somewhere in this range, I mean, depending on why, right? But it, it, like, I, I mean, I'm not going to not put on tefillin because like, I didn't know about tefillin or like, whatever. Like, I, would, I mean, I, I put on tefillin regularly, so it's got to be, there's got to be some issue between me and Hashem going on. Okay. Um, what happens when you, what happens when I ask somebody to put on film on the street. And they just do it just out of courtesy because they're not necessary. The world, yeah, the world is much better. But it's online. Well, let's say I'm online because there's some element of their soul gets reawakened or whatever, but it's over here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what happens when someone say like, Moshe Bader puts on film? Wait, 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 wait. You said that Tefillin doesn't, is a negative, is a, a positive commandment, so it shouldn't make the world worse or better. No, but he does, he's doing it. He asks them to put on Tefillin. It's not that you're doing it. No, I'm asking him. I asked someone else to put on film. And they put on film. Because they're putting on film. But you said a positive commandment. When you do a positive commandment, it makes the world. He did put on film. I asked him to put on film. But now, why is he putting on the film? Because I asked him, he's being polite. Yeah? So he's doing multiple things that are better. Yeah, but I just want to focus just on the film. Okay. Now, if like. A person is becoming religious. Or sorry, that's Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu puts on tefillin. Where's Moshe Rabbeinu putting on tefillin? Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillin is like somewhere over here. A person is putting on tefillin um, as part of coming back to Hashem, doing tshuva. That's like way over here. 
Is the effect of tefillin on the world any different? But how that affects their being closer for the Hashem is different, right? You have to keep these things separate, okay? They're not the same thing, okay? So if I actively say, I'm not going to put on tefillin, right? I'm really messing up my relationship with Hashem, right? But I'm not actually making the world at large. I haven't, I haven't made the world a worse place. Well, positive commandment couldn't go past. That's right. All of the positive commandments are over here, and all the negative commandments are... Okay. So there's 248 things. Where could it go over there? Where? Up on that. Those are better. There. It can, can't. I'm just saying can't go on the, yeah. the 248 ones. There's 248 things you can do to make the world. And there are... 365. So now, for instance... What? That's true. That's a significant point. Every day says, please do not make the world worse than it already is. No, I'm ki- not kidding. That's what the metric says. Okay. So, right? So now, like, you take a mitzvah, like Shabbos candles, lighting Shabbos candles. If you do it, you made the world better, right? Now, what does that do to your relationship with Hashem? I mean, I mean, so here's, it's going to make it closer, right? Oh, so here's the cool. Here's the cool thing. Here's the here's the here's the cool thing about this is not perfect. Is that when you do in the 248 mitzvahs, it always makes the world better and it always brings you closer to a shot. Even if you're not trying to. Could you do something that's better, worse for the world, but closer to a shot? No. So you also can't do something that's better. Yeah. There's nothing over here, and there's nothing over here. That's what I want to. Yeah. In other words, when you're doing when you're doing positive mitzvahs. Okay. Actually, this one is not true, actually. This is... Wait, but what about yeah. if you're doing something that's good? Okay, no, forget it. No, no. Okay. For right now, I'm going to make it simple. This doesn't work. We'll get to later, okay? So what this means is like this. If you're doing one of these 248 things, the world is getting better, and your relationship to Hashem is getting better, right? But those aren't necessarily correlated with each other, right? So what's like a really, really, really important positive mitzvah? Anyone know? Like, like, what? That's really important, right? That's way, 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 way out there, right? Okay. So if I hold the door open for you, right? Am I making the world a much better place? Yes. Does that necessarily have a profound effect in relationship with the chef? No, because it depends on like how much I'm really working on it. Um, same thing with like saying Shema. Shema is like a very important mitzvah, okay? But like sometimes you can just, people just say Shema and minds without thinking too much, right? Okay. And then there are mitzvahs which are like on, on, on the level of the mitzvah, it's like not such a big deal. Right? It's like way over here. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Customs. What's a good example of a custom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Waving a chicken on your head. Waving chickens on your head. Men wearing a garto. Right? So these things, they're like way over here, right? But what if a person like does kaparas with tremendous sincerity? Then it's like way over here, right? And, right. So that's the thing you have to realize is that there's two issues, which is what is the objective significance of this act? How does it actually? It's a constructive. It brings makes the world itself a more godly place. And then there's the question is like where are you in relation to how's everything? But here's the thing: every time you do a mitzvah, any 248 positive mitzvahs. You're never neutral. The neutral part doesn't exist. 
You're always improving your relationship with Hashem, at least a tiny bit. When you do everything or mitzvahs or neveras? Like mitzvahs, mitzvahs, 248 mitzvahs. But the 365 ones, if you go against them, it's possible for it to be neutral. How can it be neutral? But you're not saying that every day's actions and life are either. No, I'm just talking about the 248 positive mitzvahs and 360 negative mitzvahs. I'm not talking about anything else. How is it po- so over here you have a level of neutral. How do you have neutral? Where you're not, you're not coming closer, but you're not going further. How is that possible? Where you really, really, really couldn't have known better. If it was impossible for you to know any better, then how, what's the effect of that on your closeness or for me further from Hashem? Nothing. Right, right. Or children, right? Or even someone who grows up religious, but like there's a lot of Torah to know, and you just never got. To, no one ever told you that. You really didn't know. You didn't even know there was what you. You didn't even know the thing you didn't know, right? Like, like so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so but like someone on the street who like let's say you're trying to rat on him and he like is like no 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 and then like he's like whatever just shut you up I'll do it and does it and like okay so sure that makes him a little a little closer bit. to Hashem but then what if there, what if because of that he's like forced me to do this I hate you like if you get into experience and goes and like it makes him just talk horribly about you and about religious views etc doesn't that can't that be in the let me ask you a question okay like, doesn't that slow him back down let me ask you a question. Is that the mitzvah and the act of doing the mitzvah, or is that the circumstances around the mitzvah? Both? No, it's not the mitzvah. I guess not. Right? So, there's definitely things that can... Okay, for instance, I can tell you, I have a friend, this is a cool story, I have a friend, um, that how did he become a Orthodox Jew and a rabbi? By first becoming Catholic. How did he become Catholic? The story goes like this. When he was young, he always knew that God was real, and he always knew that there was revealed religion. God has a way he wants us to live, and he's revealed it to mankind, and we're supposed to know. And, and he also knew one very important thing, that God's true religion is not Judaism. How did he know that? I said this, right? How do you know this? Because he asked the rabbi, and the rabbi said he's not even sure that God is real, so like Judaism's out. And then he got involved in Christianity, and then Christianity, most streams of Christianity are very like, we change things every 20 years, depending on what the cultural norms are. Except Catholicism is pretty hardcore. He's like, that's a real religion. What? Right. He's like, that's religion. And he became a very, very devout Catholic, and his parents freaked out and called Jews for Judaism, which is an anti-missionary organization, and uh, now he's a rabbi on campus somewhere, which will remain anonymous. Yes. Okay. Now, but... Like, that was an important part of the journey, right? Yeah. Doesn't, okay. Doesn't but that has nothing to do with the, the sin of idolatry did not bring him closer to Hashem. Right. So right. Invalidate, right. right. What? I didn't hear you say. It's like Abba Right. It's like Abba Right. So there is no idea. So we have to, you're absolutely right that a mitzvah we've done in such negative circumstances, right, that the external circumstance around the mitzvah can be, can be really, really bad and might even overshadow the closeness that you experience. That's for sure true. Okay. And the Alter even talks about it later. But that doesn't invalidate that that act actually both made the world better and did bring you closer to a shot. Does refraining from a negative mitzvah make the world a better place? No. That's what makes these different than these. If you don't... So let's think of some of the things that are just purely negative mitzvahs. Lashon um, Hara? By not speaking Lashon Hara, you're not, not making... The world that's correct. You're not making the world a better place. 
But by thinking positively about your fellow Jew, which is part of the mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew, you're making the world a better place. Well, but if someone comes to you and sees Lashon Hara and you're like, and they don't know what that is, and you're like, whoa, 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 you're speaking Lashon Hara, making the world a better place. No, it's preventing it from getting worse. But it's not making it better by teaching someone? So, so now you have two mitzvahs here. There's the stopping of the sin, which is make, keeping it from getting worse, and then there's the fact you did the mitzvah of teaching Torah, which is a positive mitzvah, and that makes the world better, right? You could feel like, but what Shem wants us to understand is that mitzvahs are not all the same. Some mitzvahs take the world and move it further along towards Mashiach. These ones. Some mitzvahs just keep things from getting worse. That's these ones. For moving it away. For moving it away. Yeah. Okay? Okay? Now, sometimes the way you make the world better is by not doing anything. Like Shabbos, right? Sometimes the way you keep the world from getting worse is by actively doing something. I'll give you an example. There is certain circumstances where a man is not allowed to divorce his wife. I don't want to get into the details. It's not pertinent for right now. Okay, but there's certain situations where a man is forbidden from divorcing his wife. Um, that's assuming she doesn't want to be divorced. If she wants to get divorced, that doesn't count. Okay. So now, what happens if he divorces her anyway? So he's violating one of these mitzvahs, right? Okay, how does he stop violating the mitzvah? He can't. By remarrying her. When he remarries her, what happens? It undoes the sin. There are ways that some, sometimes you can actually undo, there's certain things you're going to do. Another example of this is if you've stolen something and then you return what you've stolen, okay, according to halacha, which is actually not always so simple, then you undid the sin. You undid the sin. Now, there's a separate issue, which is like, what is your relationship with Hashem, right? Like, he might have like undid the sin, but like Hashem's like, yeah, but you're still a bad person because you don't care what you did. Doesn't that just neutralize it then? Because the world is here. That's right. That's right. In other words, right. So he, he, do, he, the world is over here. He divorces his wife. The world goes over here. And then yeah. he remarries his wife. The world goes back. His wife goes so it's back like to there. Doesn't change. It doesn't change. Right. But but my point is that you're 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 actually sometimes these 365 negative mitzvahs actually require you to do something because you have to undo the damage. Yep. Wow. Right. Which, by the way, is like a problem because, like, what happens if his ex-wife then marries someone else, and now you can't marry your ex-wife if she's married someone so else? And now he's like doomed. And now the world is like permanently stuck there. So he keeps making the world a worse place every time. Other things can bring it back. Yeah, but like, there's nothing that you can't do some kind of tikkun. That's true, but then it's like every other sin that like I ate pork 20 years ago. Like I have to do a tikkun for it. It's not like you have this certain myths, certain of the 365 negative things have something very quickly you can undo the sin. 20 years ago, at some point, you're going to have gone through Yom Kippur and you're supposed to like assume that like, okay, that's it. It's more complicated. Yom Kippur is, Yom Kippur is more about this than about the world. And Kippur is much more about your relationship with Hashem than okay. what you do. All right. Make sense? Yeah. If, okay. if he remarries, though, it doesn't automatically erase all of those years? Yes. Of not? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's... I mean, if there's that, yeah. Okay. So what, right, so what I want us to understand is that, and this is what I want us to think of positive and negative mitzvahs, not in terms of doing something and not doing something in terms of the technical thing that I lift up my hand or not lift up my hand. I want to think of positive and negative mitzvahs as, am I 
involved in something that is constructive, that is improving, that is making things better, or I'm involved in something which is preventing things from being worse. Got it? That's the key difference between the two. Aren't both important? Of course both are important. As a general rule when you're studying Tanya, you should realize that everything is, everything is just being given to you as information without any judgment calls. Like, it's not saying what's better, what's worse. It's just they're different. You should know what the difference is. Okay. So now, okay. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on, we're going to do this a little bit out of order, okay? Um, you can look in your text and tell me what, is, what does it say about the positive, 248 positive mitzvahs themselves? Love. No, that's love is relation. What is about them themselves? They're the organs of the king. Now we had a whole class, which was yesterday, about whose organs? The neshama's organs. But what are the two hundred forty-eight mitzvahs? Oh no, the king's. And who's the king? Okay. So. You're, you're smart. What does that mean? That our soul is part of God. No, that's not what it means. <laughs> that just like we have 248 functions, the Shem has 248 functions. That's of relating right. to us and showing us love. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, here's an interesting question. I want you to think we about this for a minute. Maybe power and energy into the message. Why do you have to like, add fancy words like power and energy? Because I'm saying when we try to express love, we like put like ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking if Hashem does that. Yeah. yeah. So here's an interesting question. Who does mitzvahs? Positive mitzvahs. Who does them? We do humans. Is that what the text says? No, but then Hashem and us That's right. right. It's like, what's moving? My arm or my sleeve? Both together. Right? When I go home and I'm sitting down to have dinner, I'm going to, is it I that am going to be eating dinner? Or my family that's going to be eating dinner? Which one? Both. 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 Right? And it's not like I'm going to eat in one room and they're going to eat in another room. Right? That only happens when there's chaos running and like I need like quiet. And, like, you know, I do have seven children, the oldest of which is 11. So, you know. It can be a lot of noise in the house. What? I have seven children. The oldest is 11. He's almost 12, so to be fair. And my oldest is 8. Yes. So, it can get quite noisy in the house. Um, but no, like we're sitting here, we're doing it together, right? So in other words, this is very, very important. When you do a mitzvah, let's just take this When you do a mitzvah, any mitzvah, but we're talking about the, the positive mitzvahs, right? So you're doing, right? Who is making the world a better place? You're making the world a better place? Hashem is making the world a better place? Oh, Both. You're doing something together. together, right? This is very important. Is that what makes it a better place? Yeah. What makes it a better place is that Hashem... And you are doing something constructive together. And in fact, it's the togetherness that makes it so constructive. And we're going to come back to that. I don't know if we're going to get to it today. We might get to it next week. Okay? So there is a very important shift in mindset that the Alter wants us to have. And again, I'm reading the paragraph slightly out of order, but I think it's easier to understand it this way. Before you learn Tanya, okay, before you learn Tanya, we all know that there's an idea that God commanded us to do mitzvahs, right? Like Shabbat candles, put on tefillin, um, you know, 
What are some other positive mitzvahs? Eating kosher positive or negative mitzvah? Both. Both. Shabbos? Both. Both. Okay. Mikvah? Women going to mikvah? Positive, negative? Both. Both. Yeah. Turns out a lot of things are both. Why is it both? There's a prohibition involved of certain things when a woman hasn't gone to mikvah, and the actual way to mikvah itself is a mitzvah, which is why a bracha is made. Does that mean a lot of these three hundred sixteen mitzvahs? They have overlaps and inter- yeah, they're they're interwoven. You get like double score. Yeah. Okay. So there's Hashem commands us to do the mitzvah of the two hundred forty-eight mitzvahs. These are things we're supposed to do. Okay. So now there's different levels of understanding what the mitzvahs are. So on the very basic level, okay, this is the Rambam says this is like for people who are really pathetic, is that what you do is that every mitzvah you do, you get like a point, and when you get enough points, you get rewarded for your points. Okay. okay. Um, why is this pathetic? That's true. That's right. So first thought, right? It means that the person has no value for the mitzvahs. It also means they've reduced Hashem in their mind to someone who has like arbitrary like whims and then like hands out prizes for keeping their whims, which is how like the child often thinks about like their sticker chart when they're little kid. Like my parents want me to do this thing and I have to do it to get my stickers and which I'm not saying. And it literally it, it, has nothing to do with anyone and, or anything around them. That's right. Stickers. That's right. Okay. So then you move a step up and you say, no, 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 no. Mitzvahs are things that God in his infinite wisdom has commanded us to help us live better lives and improve our, upon our human potential. And that's at least progress, because now you at least think the mitzvahs actually have something substantive to them, right? Okay. Then you move up a level, okay? Then you move up a level, and you think, ah, you know what mitzvahs are? Mitzvahs are things that have spiritual significance and they you know affect things on spiritual planes and they affect the cosmos and like it's very profound okay and Hashem in his infinite wisdom has told us what they are and his kindness he's let us participate and it's amazing it's wonderful right then you move up a level right and you're told this this idea that if you love somebody you do things to make them happy you've heard this idea before okay um and so you're like doing mitzvahs is because you love Hashem and if you love Hashem you want to do things to make him happy um, let's take a moment out. Is that really true? That if you love somebody, you do stuff to make them happy? No. Like, is that a necessary causality? Like, I love someone, so therefore I'm going to do stuff to make them happy? No. And, in fact, if that is your basic mode of trying to build a loving relationship, what ends up happening? Like, let, like let's say I go to my children, and I say, you love me, so you should do X. And if you love me, you should clean up at your room. And... Yeah. Is, is it true that there are certain very deep kinds of profound love that all you want is the other person to be happy? Yeah, there is that kind of love, but that is a very lofty and profound kind of love. Okay? The Tanya says that, that to love Hashem that way that all you want to do is make Him happy, you're doing things just to make Him happy, you have to be Moshe Rabbeinu for that. So we have to be for that. Deep down, we all have a part of us that's like that. But that's not, normally when you love somebody, that's not what it's about. It's not like I'm just... And in fact, what ends up happening is that you start using a language of love, and you're, all you're doing is you're making the person subservient to you. Right? You're using love as a weapon against them. You're saying, well, if you love me, you would do the things that I want you to do. Right? That, that's like not very nice, right? Okay. Also more than that, like how do you know that like, you're doing it because you want them to be happy as opposed to them thinking positively of you? Right. 
But then you have another thing, like just very basically. If you love somebody, and this is true about only, if you love somebody, would you rather be be closer to them or further away from them? Closer to them. Okay. So what if mitzvahs are instead of things that Hashem told you to do, are things that you're doing together with Hashem? Right. And if you loved Hashem, the connection between loving and doing mitzvahs would be obvious, right? I love my children, so I want to do things together with them. Okay? What are, I have from the word. What are the positive mitzvahs? The positive mitzvahs are Hashem's limbs. So now if I take a part of myself and interwove it with part of himself and we're doing something together, now we're spending time doing something together, right? So like when I make schnitzel with my, one of my sons, what are we doing? Okay, now here's the interesting question. Is that bringing us together, just the mere fact that we're standing together at the counter? Like yes, but in physical sense, I'm very close to the table. But yeah. but that's not what I mean. No. What needs to What needs to happen? Conversation. No, it doesn't have to be conversation. It doesn't have to. That's the feeling, right? If there's feeling, right? If I am emotionally engaged in what I'm doing, because right, and I'm emotionally engaged with him, and he's emotionally engaged in what he's doing, and he's emotionally engaged with me, right? Then the activity brings us together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So the mitzvah. Right? And this is very important. Is you don't, the author was saying is mitzvahs are not things you do for Hashem, and they're not things you do for yourself. Mitzvahs are things that you do with Hashem. So he is doing the mitzvah with you, right? So Friday night, you're going to light a candle, right? Right? The author was saying, like, why is it so important to light a candle? Because that's something you're doing with Hashem. Now, you ask the question, well, who says I want to be with Hashem? What, no, that, that, that's true. But remember, Tanya is not here to convince you that you need to keep Shulchan Aruch. If you want that, we'll get like a book that tells you about reward and punishment. We can do that. That's, that's not what Tanya is here for. So let's say, okay, I don't want to be close to Hashem. But Hashem wants you to be close to him. And he made you. What does Alter say in chapter 4? About the relationship between you and the positive mitzvahs. It says that, what is the root of the positive mitzvahs? Love. Love. In other words, like this. If I'm lighting a Shabbos candle, or putting on tefillin, or making a bracha, or whatever it is, yeah? This is a very simple question. Is that something that is being imposed on me? Or is that something that comes from me? In other words, is my participation in this activity, like I'm actually a participant? I'm actually, this is like, this is, this is somehow my, I'm involved, or is this something that I am submitting to? What does that depend on? Depends on one thing, which is? Why you're doing it. Why I'm doing it. If I'm doing it, now here's the, if I'm doing it because I love Hashem, then where's the, then, then, then the mitzvah is actually coming in some sense for me, right? Like if I'm spending time, I'm playing chess with my son, right? So where's the game of chess coming from? Not the physical game, but the, the actual interaction and activity. Where's that coming from? It's coming from me. It's also coming from him, right? It's, it's, it's the reality that comes about because I want to be together with him. He wants to be together with me. We find some activity that we can do together, right? Okay. Um, but when I tell my daughter she has to do homework and she's doing the homework, I'm doing the homework with her, but she has no interest in doing the homework, but I'm in charge because I'm the father, right? And she doesn't want to start up with me because, like, whatever. Then is, 
then she's doing the homework on some level, but on some level you can't really say that the homework is any rooted in any way within her. The homework is something that she has been imposed on her. Okay? That makes sense? Yeah. So what the author was saying is like this, and this is like a, a somewhat of a, of, a, of, a, of a, it's a beautiful thing on the one hand, but it's harsh on the other hand. There's a lot of times where we're doing mitzvahs that we're not really doing mitzvahs. Right? Imagine, right? Take this. What? Imagine, imagine, for a moment, that um, you take an activity, um, like uh, what's a good activity? Like grocery shopping. Can you do a grocery shopping with someone? Yes. Okay. If you just happen to be in the store and they just happen to be in the store and you have to go grocery shopping because you need groceries and they're going grocery shopping because they need groceries and you're happy to be standing next to each other, does that mean you went grocery shopping together? No. No, right? But if I tell my son, you know, I have to go groceries, you want to come with me? We can go together. That's different, right? Okay, now, how do we define the activity of a mitzvah? Is the activity of the mitzvah is the activity of the mitzvah really about technically I just shook the lulah, put on film with the candle, etc. Is that what the mitzvah is? Or is the mitzvah the idea that we're doing that I'm doing something together with Hashem? Like what is it about a mitzvah that really makes it be a mitzvah? Physical act. The intention. Well what did, what does the Alter Rebbe say in the text? The different texts say different things. And the Alter Rebbe in Tanya says different things. In this chapter what does he say? What makes it a mitzvah? It's yeah, something that it's a limb of a Hashem, right? And he also says that the mitzvahs have no true foundation without the love. And you cannot, right? So what does that mean? And they have no. And he goes on to say that they have no. They, and right, they they also have no true. Calls it no true foundation. In, in Hebrew, it, it actually is no, no true fulfillment. I don't know why the translator said foundation, but whatever. So if you don't put the love in, yeah, you do the mitzvah according to this. That's right. But if you don't love Hashem and you're doing it, it doesn't count. Then it's, oh, okay. so, oh. Okay, so this is what we have to understand. What is he saying? He's saying, like, if I put on tefillin mindlessly, it doesn't count? No, it counts, but if you're not doing it for the right purpose. Saying like this. Okay. What we're saying is we have to take everything and put it in a context. Okay. If grocery shopping is an activity whose purpose is to get groceries into your house, Right? Yeah. Then all that matters is, did you engage in activity that resulted in groceries being in your house, right? right? But if a grocery shopping is a way of spending time with your 10-year-old, right, then you could have gone grocery shopping without really have gone grocery shopping, right? If what you meant by let's go grocery shopping, you didn't just mean let's go make sure the grocery, you meant let's do this together to spend time, to bond, right? So if you then go through all of the, like, taking out the... The um, taking the different products and putting in and paying for it, but the bonding doesn't happen. Then, then he'll be like, "Wait, you said we were going grocery shopping. We didn't do that." Because like, what, what what I meant is like we're gonna do an activity together that brings us together. So, is there a level of understanding mitzvahs where the mitzvah is really important and it has to get done and how you feel about it, your relationship with Hashem just doesn't matter? Is that is that true? Yeah. Yes. Is that what Delta was talking about? No, because the whole book of Tanya is how to, how to grow in your relationship with Hashem within the context of Judaism. So in the idea that, that the religion is also supposed to be a relationship between you and Hashem, what is a mitzvah? What is a positive mitzvah? What? That you're doing together. Something that you're doing together. Which means if you don't really feel like being with Hashem, then it's on, 
from that perspective, it's not really a mitzvah. Does that make sense? Is there another level of looking at Judaism where mitzvah, we understand mitzvahs differently? We understand yeah. them as obligations and there's a law, legal system? Yeah, for sure. But we're not, that's not time. Time is not Shulchan Is there a difference in this definition of the sense of like... Like, if you want to deal with God, but like, you don't deal with the love. Yes, the Altar gets to that. He dedicates a whole chapter to that, chapter 16, where you you want and you desire, but you don't truly feel, and yeah, his whole thing about that. Um, what is that, Tesvav? Tesvav. Tesvav is about pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. Okay, so I just wrote a positive mitzvah is something you're doing together like with Hashem. And if you don't want to be together, then you're not accomplishing anything. Then you're not really, if you don't want to be together with someone, you're really doing things together with them. Just you're, so you're doing something, but you're not doing it for the purpose that you're but, doing. But what, if, if you say that the activity is defined by the togetherness, by it's a bonding activity, that's what it is, then if you're not bonding, you're not doing it. Is benching like a mitzvah? Yes. So you know how some people are like, oh, I have to bench, and this bench. So let's, let's run through this. Let's run through this, okay? Let's, okay. Okay. There is a part of Tanya that says it doesn't matter about the feeling or the thought. There's no part of Tanya that says that. There's a part of Tanya that says that if you do without feeling or thought, you can retroactively fill it in later. Really? I remember yes. learning that if you put feeling on someone who has zero feeling, he still did the thing, and it's not Because that's how my Sahara That's true. And the explanation is because the feeling can be filled in later, and since every Jew that's ultimately does. That's the explanation for it? Yeah. Not that the act is the There thing is no that. place in anywhere in Chassidus where it says the act is valuable in isolation from the feeling. There's an idea that the act is the main thing. There's an idea that the act, that the act is something that is a one-time opportunity, whereas the feeling can be filled in later, right? There's a lot of things that, like, when you when you when you oversimplify them, you also distort them. The, the Rebbe actually says in one of in one of his discourses that really is going even deeper because on some level the soul always wants to be connected to Hashem. So therefore, on some level, it's always a mitzvah because there's always that desire. It's just whether the person was conscious of it or not. But the idea that a mitzvah is just a dry technical like like something a robot could do. No, of course not. But that's not true. The, the, the most powerful part of the mitzvah is the physical thing. We're going we're to get to that. We're gonna talk, in this chapter, we're going to talk about it. But the, we have to start with, with the basics. And what often happens, by the way, is if you jump all the way to like the idea that, like, oh, the most important thing is that I do the mitzvah, so you just become a mitzvah junkie. Like, how many mitzvahs am I doing? How many mitzvahs am I doing? Like, how does that help your relationship with Hashem long term? Like, you wake up after X number of years, and you're like, I feel cold inside to this whole thing. Okay? So the Al-Jab is trying to make sure that doesn't happen to us, that the opposite happens. We get more passionate and the more we're involved, not the less. So there's law. There is relationships. I'm trying to spell something there. Okay. In law, yeah, we have check we check things off, we have criteria, and either you fulfilled the law or you didn't fulfill the law, right? Okay. So here's the rule. Okay, let's take a mitzvah. Pick a mitzvah. I feel like a magician. Pick a mitzvah, any mitzvah. Benching. benching, right. Okay. What are the requirements of benching? Saying the words. So first is saying the words. Is that first eating bread first? Well, that's when the requirement shows up. And now I want to do the mitzvah. Right. Assuming I'm required to bench. Saying the words. That's requirement number one. Okay. Requirement number two? Meaning. Understanding. 
understanding what you're saying or why you're doing it? No. Nope. Understanding the meaning of the words. Okay. But then you're saying. Now, just technical notes. If you do one without two, have you fulfilled your obligation? No. Yes. yes. Why? You just said that's law. Oh, because in, in, because in law, we have two things. We have what's called in Hebrew, in English, they use fancy Latin, which is, um, I think, eight, what? I forget what it is. Uh, is ex post facto, and I forget what it is. But basically means, what's the law require you to do? And after the fact, what is the minimum you had to have done? What does law mean? Law, like law, like there's a law. And if you don't follow the law, there's consequences like you know, the legal system. Judaism has a law, is, is law. Okay. There's a law, there's a law, there's a law book. That's a law book. Yeah, but, but the things I want you to, it is helpful if we, if we think about it. Like if, like if you break the law, right, in the United States or in another, any other country, right, right, they'll pull out a rule book and they'll say, okay, did you do X? Did you do Y? Did you do Z? Okay, you're guilty of this and this crime. This and this crime has this and this punishment, right? It's a legal system. Okay, so you ate food. You ate bread. Enough bread. It's the right amount of time. So now you're required to do this thing called benching. So what do I have to do? Say the words. Say the words. Understand the words. I have to understand the words. What if I said the words and I didn't understand the words? Still yeah. bench. It still counts. The, the, the practical difference would be if it doesn't count, I have to go back and... Do it again. Do it again. Now here's what you have to say all the words? Yes. So I have to say all the words, but if I didn't say all the words, do I always go back and bench? No. Sometimes yes, and? No. Right. So some of the words, I have to say all the words, but some of the words, if I didn't say them, it's like the meaning and I don't go, right? It's all very technical, right? Does, well, yeah, then there's a question. If I didn't say bench, how much long? Okay. Yeah. Notice that, like, there's no idea of feeling anything or wanting or desiring, like nobody cares. That's just not part of the question. Now, let's say benching is part of your relationship with Hashem. So then what is benching? Benching is a bonding activity. In order to have a bonding activity, what are the conditions for bonding activity? Both parties need to be present. Right? Right? We both need to be there. We have to both be doing something. It has to be something that's interactive, right? There's levels of interaction, right? We could be sitting there in silence, and that can be an interactive silence, right? But there has to be some kind of interaction. Okay. Every time two people are present and they're interacting, it's a bonding activity? No. What else needs to be there? Feeling. Feeling. What kind of feeling? Right. Well, the word we're going to use is love, because love in chassidus means the feeling of wanting to be closer to someone, okay? So there needs to be love. On whose end? Both. Both. Okay, so if I'm benching, and I'm not present in my benching, that could be possible, right? <laughs> I'm not, right, Hashem, right, or Hashem isn't present, like that wouldn't work, but Hashem's always present. He's always present, so that's good. I don't think he's always present. He's always present in benching. Um, are we interacting? So yeah, because the benching is a limb of him, and I'm involved in the benching, right? So that's good. But that's only if 
the interaction is coming out of a sense of love of me to him and him to me, right? Then it's a bonding activity. So if you take out the love on my side, you don't have to worry about the love on his side. The love on his side is always there. But if the love on my side isn't there, then is that a bonding activity anymore? No. It's like when I want to spend time with my kid and they're just play kidding me because they're afraid that like, you know, I might be annoyed with them, but they don't really want to spend time with me. That's not a bonding activity, is it? Okay. So if we want to ask the question about any mitzvah, we can have a with any mitzvah, okay, there's a bunch of laws. What book do we know from one of the laws? Shulchan Aruch. Okay? Now, if it's a relationship and it's a bonding activity, both need to be present, we need to be interacting, and there needs to be love on both sides. Now, here's the rule. If you're not doing the mitzvah according to halacha, that is Hashem present and interacting with you? No. So the law is important. But we're looking at not as law, just like actually, like if, I, if, if I sit down, right, after benching, or after eating, and I start saying, um, Wow, that was a great meal. God, I really appreciate it. I mean, that's very nice, but, but that's not the that's not God. And it's not the local obligation, which also means that there's not, he isn't present, so there's no way we're interacting. So it's not a bonding experience, because bonding experience requires that both, that's right, and both are interacting. If you ever just like, talk to God, you're not bonding. You're not in the bonding activity of benching. Oh. The, but there's the bonding oh. activity of davening. Oh, and tefillah is like, tefillah is great oh, okay. because tefillah is like pretty open-ended. <laughs> you can like, yeah, so, but benching, okay. no. No, because benching, now, here's an interesting question. Like, like, what is like the bare minimum of benching that would actually consider that Hashem is actually present and involved, right? So like, what things do I have to say? In what order do I have to say them? And then he's involved. So what we're saying is like, it's not that from the relationship perspective, the law perspective is important, but like we're not thinking about it. So did you, do, did you meet your obligation or not? That's not the question here. And so if you're thinking of a mitzvah as a activity that is a bonding activity, and you do it without love, then in some sense you never really did a mitzvah. Even though from a halachic perspective, even though from a halachic perspective, you did do a mitzvah. Okay? I, I, it's very important if you want to, I mean, just generally be in you know, a healthy person who can use language, but especially learn chassidists, know how to use words in different contexts. So give you a simple example, it's relevant for later on in the chapter. Um, everyone knows what a hug is, right? You've hugged someone before? Okay. Okay, so can you describe what a hug is, basically? Your arms going around someone else's torso and their arms going around your torso, that's a hug, right? So if you go up to a completely random stranger, right? Okay. You have zero feeling for them. And you awkwardly, because someone put you up to this, take your arms and go like this. Because you're, I'm filling your description. Right? I am technically wrapping my arms around their torso. And then I whisper to them, if you do the same to me, you will get $10,000. And they strangely agree. And they also awkwardly go like that. <laughs> have you hugged? Yes. You have. You hugged, you hugged. You hugged. So wait one second. So here's the question: When the person is in the when the person when the person is sitting in their therapist's office and they're saying, "My mother never hugged me," what they mean is the mother never went like this. No. Oh, so what we're saying is like this: We understand hug as both a description of a physical activity, and we also understand it as an expression as a bonding activity. And when we think of it differently, we define it differently. The criteria changes, right? 
So from a perspective of reward and punishment, fulfilling the law, breaking the law, do we care whether you love Hashem or not? No. No, not really. Like you, you benched. You know what you're saying? That's good. I don't care. But Dalton didn't write a book for that. He wrote a book like someone says, I want to be close to Hashem genuinely. So like, and Dalton says, so I want you to understand something. If you did a mitzvah, haphazardly, without thinking, out of habit, out of compulsion, to please somebody else, but not because on any level you wanted to be close to Hashem, then you should, for yourself, have some sense on some level, that's not what a mitzvah really is. Because what is a mitzvah? It's a bonding activity, and you weren't engaged in a bonding activity. So in some sense, that's not really a mitzvah. When God said, put on tefillin, he didn't really mean what you did. So technically, legally, do you have to go back? No. But you should not feel like, oh, I'm doing so many mitzvahs. No, you're, you're not. From the perspective of mitzvah is a connection to Hashem. It's a bonding activity. That wasn't what Hashem said meant when he said a mitzvah. That's not truly what a mitzvah is. But wouldn't that be more like the purpose of the mitzvah? No, that's the mitzvah itself. You wouldn't say, like, you wouldn't say that the purpose of spending time together is like in order to get closer. No, spending time together is itself getting closer. That's what it is. It's not it's like the purpose of Having a toilet is to keep your house clean, conveniently. But but this is no, this is the actual thing itself. In other words, the purpose of like the purpose of learning is to grow in understanding. That's not really true. Learning is growing in understanding. That's, that's the thing itself. A bonding activity is coming closer. That's what a bonding activity is. You might value them, you might not. Okay, so. That means every single way that your soul can relate to Hashem, Hashem has a way back to your soul. Right? And you can say, look, Hashem, I, wanna, I want us to do activity X. And Hashem will be like, okay, I'm up for activity X. Or Hashem can say, I want to do activity Y. You can be like, I'm up for activity Y, right? And then you do it. So Hashem comes to the soul and is like, how about Lulav? And the soul is like, great. I'll ha- give me a few days, I'll go buy one and we'll be ready to go. Okay, and then you go do love an Esther. That's wonderful. Is there ever a time when you're like following everything and God isn't present in the midst of? Like he's always there, but was he like? Is there ever a time when he's like not doing it with you? He's oh, if you're doing it according to Allah, he's doing it with you. The more interesting questions are you doing it? That's right. That's what the altar wants us to start thinking about. He's there. In other words, often the question is like. Like he's reversing the, the, the order of things. Hashem is there with you doing the mitzvah. The question is, how much are you doing the mitzvah with him? And if you're not really doing the mitzvah with him, then in some sense, it's not really a mitzvah. Again, halakhically, legally, it's a mitzvah, fine. But in the context of relationship, that's not what a mitzvah is. Right? Do you know why Chassidim would like, delay doing mitzvahs a long time? Within halakhic limits. They no, delay, like, delay doing it. So we not... But the, like, davening later? Davening is different. No. So that they would be ready. So that, be doing so that when they were doing the mitzvah, they would really be doing right. the mitzvah. Yeah. Right, but I want you to think of it. It's not they would have the emotion... No, I mean, like, so they could be ready. Yeah, that when... So that they'd be like, when I, when I light Hanukkah candles, I really want it to be that when I'm lighting Hanukkah candles, I'm doing a mitzvah. What's a mitzvah? It's a bonding activity with the Shem. So I want to actually... Relate to that as a bonding activity. I feel like I want to be with him. Otherwise, it's kind of like I missed the opportunity. Well, okay. Now, does that mean you should push it off so much that you end up not doing the mitzvah? No. Obviously not. Right. The same thing. Right. Right. So, if you take nothing else away from this, chapter four, what have we learned? 
what does it mean to do a mitzvah? Doing a mitzvah is not something you do. You can't do a mitzvah. Right? Any more than you can spend time with someone else on your own. You can spend time with someone else if someone else is interested in spending time with you. And then the question is, if they're interested in spending time with you, and you're not really interested in spending time with them, are you really spending time with them? So you see there's this big connection between love and positive mitzvahs. Without the love, it's not really, truly a mitzvah. The constructive thing that's making the world a better place is you're trying to be close to him, he's trying to be close to you, and you're doing something together. Okay, we'll continue this idea and move on to negative mitzvahs next week. Thank you. Thank you.